Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Hey guys, welcome to Parenthood Friday. It is so good to have you. Glad that you're here. Thank you to the people writing nice reviews on Apple, by the way. I saw that new one that was written this week. Thank you guys. Love you, love you, love you. I hope you've had a good week. I've had a really good week. Had a bit of a bummer of a day. Someone ran up the back of my car today. I've only had it for six months. I'm like, oh, dang. All I could think of was the inconvenience of getting it fixed. But anyway, everyone's okay. So that's the important thing. All right. So today... Parenthood Friday, I want to talk um, a bit of a continuation of what Ashton and I did with our podcast last Friday. Um, I want to give you some practicals on how, you know, what does it look like to have these conversations uh, where we are protecting our kids from the gender ideology that is slowly creeping in more and more to all parts of society. So, you know, even that title, How to Protect Your Kids from Gender Ideology, the title in itself could be considered controversial because it's suggesting that current ideology being taught is something that we have to protect our kids from. And yes, that is what I mean. Um, Gender activists get really triggered by language like this. Uh, But you know, this is the thing. I think too many of us are are afraid of all of the, the woke activists that are out there. And I get it, understandably so, because they do everything within their power to vilify us, to cancel us at any cost if we come against them. They will tell us that we are bigoted, phobic, superior, harmful, intolerant, every label under the sun that you could think of. But for me, If you come between me and what's best for my kids, you will have a fight on your hands. Um, Hence why I'm very passionate about this. And I think it's time to get a little bit brave and turn the tables the other way. We really need to be strong um, parents. We have to stand up to these ideologies that are creeping in to our children's lives, not just our teenagers but our children, it's coming in younger and younger. And we have to not allow ourselves to be afraid of being bullied because we have to do this for our children. So last week, Ashton um, joined us very bravely, might I add. A lot of you said to me, came into my DMs and were like, oh my gosh, I love that conversation. And he was so articulate, um, which he really was. I was surprised at some of the stuff that he said, but he was talking about a program that was being presented at his high school by True Relationships. Um, And it was meant to be education around respectful relationships and particularly consent. But it seemed to be a session that was more pushing gender fluidity and porn, which just was mortifying. And look, that's how he saw it, okay? That's how he came away from that session. So I think that conversation showed showed you um, the end result of 16 years of Cameron and I parenting him. And some of you then asked me, what did your conversations look like for Ashton to be able to come to that point where, you know, he talked the way that he did? Um, 
you know, what does that look like in real time when they're five and they're six or they're 13 or 14? What what does it sound like? And so I'm going to try and break down the conversations. Um, I will give you some examples, but I'm going to give you three principles to go by with um, that you can apply to any of these conversations, okay? Because you know I love giving you takeaways. Um, so I'll give you three principles to abide by. They're really easy. They're literally one word each. And then I will give you some examples because things really are different these days. Like when I grew up, there was one birds and the bees talk, one puberty talk, maybe one dating talk, maybe one porn talk for the boys. So really you pretty much got out of it pretty scot-free with maybe two or three chats. But now there is just so much more to talk about. We're not just talking birds and the bees anymore. We have to talk about gender fluidity, gender identity, same-sex attraction, transgender, consent, pronouns, and on and on it goes. It used to be, I'm a girl, obviously that means I'm a she, her, and I like boys weren't they the days of simplicity? And I think the days where we were much happier. So how do we approach this as parents? And the first thing I want to say to you, which is really stating the obvious, but I'm going to say it anyway, is we have to make a decision that we are going to be the ones to talk about these things with our kids. Okay. We are going to be the ones to have these conversations because if we don't, I guarantee you, there will be plenty of other people in their world that will be willing to have these conversations. So we have to make a decision that we are going to have active conversations about gender, about gender ideology, because your kids, I promise you, they are going to see things and they're going to hear things from younger and younger. And if we do not shape our kids' worldview, I promise you everyone else will. The education system will, social media will, um, perhaps teachers will, their friends will, the books they read will shape it, the programs they watch will shape it. I know we've talked about this before, but some of the stuff on ABC, you cannot just leave your kids in front of the ABC anymore um, and think that, you know, they'll be safe um, with what they're going to be showing. My kids, I would quite happily leave them in front of play school. I don't know about play school these days, but I know I've had friends with young kids say to me, Renee, there's this program and this program and this program on the ABC, uh, on the kids, ABC kids. You can't just leave them anymore. Your job, guys, it is getting a little bit harder, but there's so much more at stake. Everything around your kids is being infiltrated with this gender ideology. So we have to be um, really careful. So Cameron's and my approach was we mostly had conversations about these topics as they came up naturally. Uh, so they might see something on TV or you might hear them repeat what someone says at school or they might read something in a book. One example, I remember Ashton in about year two or three loved Captain Underpants and he read every series, every book in the series. And he might've been maybe about year four by the time he read the last one. And I remember him coming to me and going, mum, mum, I think Harold might be gay. Like in, in, um, I think it was Harold. Don't quote me. I'm like, what? And this is when everything was kind of just starting to ramp up, but yeah, Captain Underpants. And so I said to him, well, what makes you think that? And, you know, we had a chat about it, but, um, again, that was a good opportunity for us to chat, but they might see something in a movie 
you know, we talked about Disney a little while ago and how they have an actual agenda to be bringing in more than 50% of transgender and um, gender fluidity in their movies. They might see two mums walking in at school holding hands, for example, or there might be something in the school curriculum, or maybe a kid in their class changes their name or their pronouns because they're changing identity. So Cameron and I mostly would, would wait to be prompted by them and their experiences, but I'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, but on on one Wednesday episode, I am going to talk about where gender ideology came from, because I think if we can understand the foundation of it and the roots and where it came from and whose idea it was, and, and let me just say, I'm not talking gender dysphoria. I'm not talking the 0.04% of the population that has genuine gender dysphoria. I'm talking about this whole gender ideology, gender fluidity, So I will do an episode around that because knowing the roots of this ideology um, being taught, it's so mortifying. I think it exposes uh, the the harm and the evil that's at the that's at the foundation of it all. So anyway, so so getting back to my point, you as a parent need need to actively engage in these conversations with your kid, with your children, Um, and secondly you yourself need to be convinced about what worldview you want to be um, uh, at the foundation of your family. Okay. So we have to be, we have to be intentional because the people teaching this other stuff are being very intentional. So it sounds really obvious, like know your worldview, know what you believe. Um, But if we're not specific there are a lot of other people around them who will be specific on what they want to teach your kids. And it's no longer acceptable to just assume that your kids uh, know, um, you know what it is to be a girl or what it is to be a boy. That, that stuff is going to most likely be coming at them from all angles. So we do need to know what the education department and other influential bodies are wanting to teach our kids. And what do you want to teach your kids? Um, I'll give you an example here uh, from Queensland, because that's where I live. But you need to research for your own state. But here in Queensland, there's a program that's compulsory in all state schools called Respectful Relationships. It used to be Safer Schools. Again, very interesting that they call a program Safer Schools, which makes you seem like that's a, that must be a good program. It's about having safer schools. Well, no, it was not about that. Uh, the same with the the title that they've changed it to, Respectful Relationships. Sounds great. Sounds good on face value, but I've looked into it. And by the way, they're getting really clever at hiding some of this curriculum, but I've looked at it before and it has a lot of gender ideology embedded in there, starting in prep. They started off very... Um, in a kind of a broad way, and it gets more and more specific as they get older. Um, But you need to just make sure that you know what's going on in your child's school and what's going on in your state. Um, and And it really does come down to your particular school or even the teacher that your child has. So I know the school I used to teach at, Um, they never used the safer school curriculum because I remember that's when I first started learning about it when I was teaching there. 
And I remember asking my principal, have you heard of the Safer Schools program? He's like, no, what are you talking about? So it just wasn't a thing in our school, which I'm really grateful for. Um, So just be aware um, you have a right as a parent to know what curriculum is being taught in your school. Um, so even now, um, you know, Ashton, and I've said this before, has got one deputy with very liberal ideas and ideologies. Um, and um, this deputy is the one bringing in a lot of this to our school. So it really does depend. Our other deputy is really conservative. All right. So let's get into the some of the nitty gritty of what was Karen's and my approach. Um Like I said before, there's kind of two approaches, Um, one being, which I talked about before, which was um, having conversations that are triggered by experiences that your child might have, something they might see, something that you, um, they come home and tell you, or you might go to the movies and you see something, or you're reading a book together. So, so there's things are going to be happening. Jump on those moments because they are moments that are really powerful because they're things that are naturally coming up. Um, and so it's good to jump on those as teaching moments. But the other approach, I guess you can call it the proactive, preventative approach, which is not waiting for those moments, but having some age-appropriate conversations with your kids, preparing them for when they see or hear this stuff. Not if, because I'm telling you now, it will be very rare for your child not to come across this. And I'm talking from a really young age. I think when they're very little they don't necessarily comprehend what they might be seeing. So just with that whole, you know, if something happens or you see something, jump on it, just be aware of their age. If, for example, you've got a four-year-old and, um, I don't know, two mums walk past holding hands or something like that, your child might not notice. Don't bring it up. If they don't, if they don't notice, just, just let it, let it go. Um, so I was always kind of careful then. I would watch my child. You know when you can tell if your child's looking at something like, what's going on there? Um, so just be aware and you know your child best. Um, so yeah, so so that's the two approaches, jumping on things that happen, but being careful that you're not bringing up conversations before they're ready. And then having the preventative conversations where you actively do bring things up because they are going to come across this stuff and you want to prepare them. Um, So you want to have moments where you do talk about what you believe is family. Doing that around the dinner table is a really good idea. That's why having dinner together um, when they're younger especially is good. All right, so what did we do? We taught our kids a biblical worldview and we are unashamedly, um, unashamed about that. I have heard people, um, you know, who are not Christians or who do not like religion that will say things like Christians are brainwashing or indoctrinating their children with their worldview. My answer to that is, that is absolutely true because guess what? So are you. So are you. If you're an atheist parent and you don't believe in God or, you know, you cannot exist in a family and not have your worldview affect your children because your worldview affects how you raise them. It affects every decision that you make. So everybody has a worldview. So don't let anyone put that on you, that absolute rubbish that you are brainwashing your kids with a Christian worldview. 
I'm, we unashamedly have a biblical, godly Christian worldview in our home. And that served us well. We've got three beautiful kids and a beautiful, we've got a beautiful family. And so I am unapologetic about that. And we would take every opportunity to reinforce this. But remember, I've said to you before, guys, do it in a natural way. Okay. Don't be those parents that are like, oh, and tonight's lesson is just try and bring it up in conversation in a natural kind of way. So we had a biblical worldview. So I'll give you some examples. We would say things like, if it you know came to chatting about gender ideology, we would say things like, um, you know, guys, God made us, so He knows what's best for us. They're the you know we would we would say that, or or not everyone believes in God, but you know what, He still made those people too, even if they don't acknowledge it, and even if they don't want to live His way. It still doesn't change the fact that his way is the only way they're going to be truly happy. Or we might say things like, you know, God, he is love and God made us all male and female. And the most loving thing we can do in any situation is agree with God. Or we would say things like, you know, we should accept the body that God has given us. So, you know, that's the kind of language that we would use. Um, We would use, I would often use Genesis and teach them that it's in Genesis chapter 1. I think it's from about verse 27 from memory. This is where God sets the framework for male and female. Teach your kids that. Read them out those verses and talk to them about, you know, not only, in fact, he says it twice, female and male, male and female, he made them, and then it repeats it. And then you can even go into the Hebrew for the word male and female, which actually matches our anatomy. That's amazing in itself. Um, And then you could go on and talk about how, but God didn't even stop there. He assigns us with roles. So it talks about husbands and wives and mothers and fathers. And so um, that's a good thing, a good basis to teach them. But then even further on from that, we would say, but God's given us all different personalities and that's okay too. And that's completely normal. Um, it doesn't mean that a child's been born with the wrong gender. So Jordan Peterson, I heard him say this the other day in that What's, What is a Woman documentary, which I highly recommend, but he said that gender identity, it shouldn't even be a thing because really what we're talking about is personalities. And then he goes, so what are we going to do? If, if a boy wants to, you know, has a more feminine personality or a girl has a more masculine personality, we're going to start cutting them up. That's literally what he said. He was so passionate and he was so mad about it because he can see what we're doing to a generation with this confusion. So, um, so that's the first thing is teaching the truth. Okay, use the Bible, use, you know, all of those things that I just, um, sentences like that. Shape your language using the Bible, biblical truth. But the second thing that goes arm in arm with truth is compassion. So think of these two as working together. So whenever you have conversations with your kids, you want truth and you want compassion. So this is the truth. This is what we believe. This is what we're to live by. But then we would say things like, but we always be loving and kind and show compassion to people who don't live that way. And, you know, say to your kids, there are many reasons why they might have chosen a different lifestyle. Um, And we still show everybody love. And Cameron and I found that 
if you just speak truth, 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 right? Bible, Bible. That might work for a while, but as they start to get older and remember our kids are being taught a lot of tolerance at school, which is a good thing. But if you don't show compassion on the other side, you will most likely start to get your kids' backs up as they become teenagers. So compassion works really well as they get older because it makes them more willing to listen to and accept your views because they can see, well, mum and dad are not being judgmental. They're not being unkind. Um, And in fact, we would say to our kids, we'd be like, guys, God's put you in those classrooms. He's put you in this school for you to be Jesus to that person, to that friend. They, you know, And so we would really um, not just emphasize the truth, but we'd emphasize compassion. And just remember, you are the best protection for your kids. Uh, so remember, my kids were in a non-Christian school, nearly their whole schooling, and their love and belief in God is as strong as what ours is. And I think it was really key that all of our conversations had truth and compassion. But then as they got a little bit older, you can even do this when when they're a little bit younger, but as they got older, we added one more element. And this is the third element, and that is observation. So when they would see someone struggling with gender identity or, you know, struggling with something around their gender, we would ask our kids questions about what were they observing? Like, why do you think that your friend is struggling with that? Um, we would ask them things like, oh, what is their home life like? Do you think that they're happier? Um, has this made them happier to embrace this gender ideology? And so we would make our kids really just think and observe the fruit of these ideologies because Every time, nearly every time, I can guarantee you, my kids would say things like, mum, they've got a really sad home life, or mum, I think they're really neglected at home. They go home to an empty house, or um, there, there, would, there would always be a reason for their unhappiness. And so then after my kids would make those observations, we would go back to the compassion, um, the compassion element. And Our kids could see for themselves that this ideology that the world is giving is not helping. It is not making their friends better. It is not making their friends happier. So they're the three elements to always think of in your conversations to have one, at least one, if not all three, truth, compassion, and observation. So I'll give you a few practical examples in a moment, but as parents, you do have a harder job now than when my kids were small because this ideology is creeping in to literature, education, films at a younger and younger age. So I would say my older two did not come across this until high school. Um, Ashton probably started to come across it about year four, like I said, when he was reading this, you know, Captain Underpants. Um, And so this is why I'm saying we need to proactively have these conversations. We need to be listening to our kids and observing our kids. I mean, they might say something quite accidentally. They might just be telling you about their day. This is why I used to love picking my kids up from school. Um, 
And it helped that I was a teacher. So often they would just come to my classroom and we would drive home together and we would have conversations in the car and we would talk about their day. And if I heard anything come up, we would talk about that. But remembering with the filter, truth, compassion, and observation. Um, And we would say to our kids, if you see something or you hear something The best thing for you guys to do, because you need to give your kids a strategy and it is not a good strategy for them to tell that other child, for example, that what they're doing is wrong. Oh, my mom says, my dad says, the Bible says, um, that's not a good idea. So we would say to our kids, just you say nothing, you love that person, come home and talk to mom and dad about it and we'll talk it through because you are their safe space. We as the adults are their safe space. And we don't want them to be having these conversations with other people because you don't know what their worldview is. So let's look at a couple of examples. Um, Let's start with young teenagers. I'll give you an example with Georgia. She had a friend at school who was um, a girl and she also said probably about year nine or 10, um, she, she was quite masculine, like she wanted short hair. Um, and then she was uncomfortable in the girl's uniform. And so she went to the principal and, um, that was our old principal at the time. He was really good with her and said, well, you can wear the sports uniform. And then she also came out, um, as a a lesbian and mum, mum, Georgia would come home to me and she'd say, mum, I feel really sorry for, for my friend. I don't, I don't want to name her. And, you know, so again, what did I do? Um, Obviously, by then it's high school. Um, Georgia knows enough of what our beliefs are and what we um, believe is the best way for people to live. And so we would go, okay, let's go down the compassion and observation. So we'd say, well, that's really sad. Like, what's her home life like? And we would say to Georgia, sweetie, imagine being in her shoes, how uncomfortable she must feel being herself, how isolated she must feel. And so we just encourage Georgia. We're like, sweetie, you need to be a really good friend to her and show her love and show her acceptance and show her kindness. Um, There's no need to tell her that you don't agree with, with her choices. Like that's not your place. And so Georgia was a really good friend to her. Um, and I was really proud of her for that. And, you know, these kids are in difficult, um, they're in a difficult part of their life, a difficult, they're going through a difficult time. And so, and we would say to her, you know, you can be Jesus to your friend and you can pray for her and be kind to her and love on her. And Georgia could still do that while simultaneously, um, staying true to her own truth and her own worldview. Another example would be Liam had a girl in his class, probably about year 11, who decided, no, maybe year 10, who decided that she was going to change her name and identify as a boy. So change name, pronouns. And Liam, I remember, really struggled with that. And he's like, mum, I cannot call her a he. I've called her a she this whole time. She's been in my class for years. Like, what do I do? And so we were able to chat about, okay, well, there can be a balance between respecting her, but also not joining in this new woke thing. Um, and so he decided what he'd do is he'd be like, well, I'm comfortable just using her new name, but I don't want to call her um, a he, like I don't feel comfortable with that. I just feel so weird. I, I just, you know, and you got to remember 
it's not just the the kids that are that are doing these things that are struggling. It's all of the kids in the class. It's it's everybody trying to process this. Um, and so he just decided, I'm just going to use her name and I won't use any pronouns. And one day he accidentally called her a she and the teacher told him off. And I was really proud of him because he actually said to his teacher really respectfully, he's like, miss, you need to give all of us just a minute because you can't just show compassion to this person. We all need compassion shown to us because just a minute ago, this whole gender ideology wasn't a thing. And now it is. And we're all trying to process it and we all need room. And the teacher was like, fair enough. And I I was really proud of him for that. And I said to him, that was a really good response because it's not fair on our kids either to be put in these positions where they're called uncompassionate. They're not uncompassionate. They're not unkind. They're just trying to process this crazy thing that, that, that is happening in front of their eyes. So I know I've given you uh, examples of when they were older and we've ran out of time to do when they're younger, but it's still the same principle. And what the world is modeling right now is actually some of the worst tolerance that I've seen. And gender activists, the people that are pushing these ideologies, are actually being very hypocritical because they're shouting from the rooftops that we have to accept them while at the same time not living by their own standards by not accepting what we think. So they demand something of us that they're not willing to return. They are demanding that we accept their lifestyles while they're not accepting what we believe. So we can point these hypocrisies, hypocrisies, yeah, hip-hop, that's true. That's the right word, hypocrisies. Point these things out to our kids. I used to do that with my kids as well. I say, hey guys, this is not right. So what? You have to accept their truth, but they won't accept your truth. That's not right. Or you have to respect them, but they don't have to respect you. That's not right. And it starts to make sense to the kids for them not to be walked on for their beliefs. So um, the other thing that we would do, so other than the think truth, compassion, observation, Um, we would also explain to our kids why this stuff is being taught and where it's coming from. Um, because there's always been people in society that push back against the values of a society and it is getting worse. Um, and we would say to our kids, this, this is actually a minority. It's a small group that is wanting this stuff to be mainstream And the further a society goes away from godly values, the unhappier that society becomes. And so, look, I could go on and on. There's just so many things that you could tell your kids. But at the end of the day, have honest conversations. Do not back down on what you believe. Um, And like I said, I want to use another episode to unpack why this stuff is not good for our kids and where these ideologies first came from. The people that first started peddling these ideas, it's incredibly mortifying. It's it's really evil where it came from. And I can't believe that as a society, when this stuff has been proven in the past, where um, the foundations of these ideologies came from is clearly um, has been proven to be harmful. And yet we've adopted it like these people were some sort of heroes. And that, that's not the case. And so um, we have to be very proactive and make sure 
that we are actively having these conversations with our kids. So I hope that's helped a little bit more, but that's where we landed. Um, And obviously this is only a half hour podcast, but if you can think of those three things, truth, compassion, observation, they're kind of the three things we did from when our kids were small until now. And you heard the result, I guess, with, with Ashton, um, being 16 and being able to articulate the stuff that he did last week. And like he said, out of the mouths of babes, when I said to him, well, what if people would say to you, you're just spitting out, you know, your mum, mum and dad's worldview. He was like, well, I'm seeing the fruit of it. Um, and I have guys, I've got some stories. My gosh, I met someone today, the most beautiful person where I've seen firsthand and I'm starting to see firsthand more and more, um, the confusion Um, and the sadness that this is bringing to young people's lives. And I am all about young people. I love young people and I cannot stand by and watch a generation being confused and made more miserable than ever before. And if you guys get a chance, please go and watch What is a Woman? It is unbelievable. Listen to people who bought into all of this. There was a guy on there called Scott who used to be a female who transitioned to a male in his 40s and was so unhappy um, and can't transition back um, because of the operations that he's had. And he's got a foundation now where he's trying to sound the alarm on the actual uh, carnage that is happening that no one is talking about because there just seems to be one answer to all this. And that is everyone racing these young people into psychologists and hospitals to push them into this gender ideology and changing gender. And it's crazy and it's harming our children. And we as parents have to protect our own children. So um, let me leave that with you let me know if you've got questions. Um, I hope that's helped a little bit and, um, yeah, I'll be praying for you guys, um, as you have, you know, that you would have wisdom to have these conversations with your kids. So God bless you. You are doing a great job. Um, and I hope you have the most wonderful week and, uh, I will see you back on Wednesday for another episode with Isaiah on I'm shook, where we actually talk about some of this stuff. I'll see you there. Thanks guys. Bye.